been trying to do it right. Hey, everybody, it's Todd. Do you know the name of this song, sweetheart? I have a guess that it's Hey Ho. Actually, it's Ho Hey. No, it's not. That's what it says on my iTunes thing. No way. Ho Hey. It should be Hey Ho. Huh. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, Raj. Hey, Rerun. <laughs> this is Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. It's an early Monday morning for us recording people. Yes. And uh, what is Zen Parenting Radio? Zen Parenting Radio is a podcast where we want to help you feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding, sweetheart? I do. Um, our motto on every show is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. And this is podcast number 323. On today's show, we are going to talk about control. Yes. We are going to answer a listener's question, and I'm going to tell a story about my parenting in the last week. That's the plan, Stan. Sounds good. Where do we want to start, my darling? You can start. <laughs> it's so funny. There's a lot of sweethearts in my darlings in the last couple of shows. Only every day. <laughs> well, it's not inauthentic because you say Hope those you're things. not complaining, sweetheart. No, no, no. It's, well, see, there was another one. I just last show, I was, I was hyper attuned to them. And I was just thinking about people who are like, oh, will you stop saying it? We're not going to because that's how we talk. I just am conscious of when you say it. I'm not. You're not? It's subconscious or unconscious, whatever, whichever one is right. I don't know which one's right. Um, It's one of those two. So you're saying you're not conscious of when you say that? I'm definitely not conscious when we say that. Um, So I think I should just jump right in and tell my story. Yeah, it's actually a good place to start with control. Oh, good. Um, uh, We were out in Seattle, Washington, visiting my brother, and it was an amazing uh, time out there. And we went camping one night, and we decided to go float down the river. I think it's the Wenatchee River. And we had a wonderful um, time doing that. But as we were getting prepared to float down the river, um, the place, you have to have life jackets on. The place didn't have enough life jackets, so we had to wait for the bus to come and bring the other ones up. So what that meant was... Um, out of there are seven girls. Mm-hmm. I have three. My brother has four. There's seven young ladies in our lives, seven amazing young ladies. And there's only like four life jackets. So obviously they want to play in the river, but they, in order to play in the river, they need to have life jackets and there weren't enough to go around. So that means some kids are going to be excluded. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which was mine. And uh, I said, you know, life happens. Sometimes you don't always get to go first or have your turn or whatever. And uh, it ended up about a half hour later, the life jackets still weren't there. So Mm. my one kid was feeling kind of sad because she has FOMO. Yes. What's FOMO, sweetie? A fear of missing out? Yes. Right. I think most kids have FOMO. I think she has a hyperactive, not hyperactive, she has a hyperdrive on FOMO. Well, sometimes yes and sometimes no. She's also someone who will stay home and And miss out on everything. everything. So I think it depends on the situation. That's why I said I think most kids. And you know what? This is not a kid thing. Adults have FOMO. Yeah. Yeah. Adults, it's part of the reason that certain people tell me that they're literally not on social networking anymore is because their fear of missing out got so extreme. Quick segue in this story. uh, We also went tubing on Lake Union in Lake Washington. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how they will always, uh, the kids will start saying who gets to go first, second, and third. And I think we even made a comment as adults are like, why do the kids put so much energy into first second they all they all know they're going to get their fair share Mm -hmm. and i think it's like a kid thing like what is it about kids that like to know who gets to go first who gets to go second when in fact they're all going to be able to go the same amount and you know i think it's all again it's all relative because we look at them and we say kids don't worry you're all going to get a turn because we're in charge but a lot of adults drop the ball on those things. So they're just trying to. And what kids have learned is if I don't jump in fast, right. this may not happen at all. Yeah. And at the same time, not only do kids say, I want to be first, second, or third, adults do that too, yeah. but not in such a kid way. Yeah. Adults will be like, well, I'm going to host the party. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in charge of this. I'm going to be. And, and so 
we look at kids and we say, oh, you're being so silly. But we do that in our own adult ways, too. True. Where we'll say, well, you got a turn. I get a turn. Yeah. Instead of just, again, lessening the control issue. So that's a quick segue. So um, so a half hour went by and my kid who didn't have the life jacket, who wasn't playing with her sisters and her cousins, started getting pretty sad. And I'm like, you know what? It's, it's It has been a long time. It's been a long time. So... I asked my other kid to take off her life jacket so she could sit on the side and not play and let the one that's been sitting on the side play. And I said, you know, it's time for for us to make a switch. It's not really fair. And she was very upset, my older kid. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to, you know, I'm thinking about Shefali. We heard Shefali on Super Soul Sunday or whatever. It's Super Soul Sunday, Mm -hmm. right? About control and everything else. And... um, my daughter was not um, reacting as quickly as I wanted her to. So the part of me wanted to force her and get mad and angry, which would have put her into action very quickly, saying, "Time, take off the life jacket. Cause she was totally milking it. Mm-hmm. Like she was like slowly coming out of the river. And then once she came out, she was just kind of standing there. And Cameron, uh, my middle one, was uh, sitting there waiting. And I was wanted to force the issue. And instead, I took a step back and I just waited. And I was more curious to see how long it was going to take for this kid to take off her life jacket. And it was, you know, she could have done it in 10 seconds. And like literally 10, excuse me, 10 minutes later, we were all three still sitting there. Mm -hmm. She still had her life jacket on. My middle one was waiting patiently, wasn't getting mad. It was interesting. And I was sitting. So I went and sat next to my middle one just to kind of support her as I was allowing my oldest one her own process Mm -hmm. instead of forcing it, talking about control, instead of forcing her to take off the life jacket. You know, I'm like, we weren't in a rush or anything. It's not like we're late for school. I could afford this parenting experiment. Mm -hmm. And... It was very frustrating. And I sat there and I sat there and my middle one sat there and sat there. And then um, finally, um, after about 10 or 15 minutes, she surrendered it. Mm -hmm. And I, it was just interesting. So then about a half hour later, the one who was withholding the life jacket said to me, daddy, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. And I said, why are you sorry? And she said... Um, cause I was being really mean before mm. and I'm like, I, I don't, I, I don't know what I said, but I think I said something like, I, I don't think you're being mean. You're kind of going through your own process. So I was kind of proud of myself as kind of a parenting, you know, I was proud of my middle one who sat there patiently, who was really frustrated. Mm-hmm. And then I was proud of her, the oldest one for making the good decision, yet it did take a lot longer than I thought. Well, and again, we can look at that and say, well, yeah, she did it, but it took too long and took too long for who? For me. Right. And that's the problem is that, again, because, you know, we aren't under the gun um, or weren't under the gun or there was never a time that we ever said to her, you're only going to get this for a certain amount of time. She was forced to give something up that she didn't want to give up. And I will say this because I watched, you know, watching the older kids with the younger kids this weekend, because again, we're with all these girls, is that the older kids always have to sacrifice. Yeah. We forget what it's like to be the oldest kid. Yeah. And I want to say to all of you parents who have a number of kids, to be cognizant of how much responsibility the oldest kid has to hold. And a lot of times we say, well, that's just part of it. They're the oldest kid. Well, they're still a kid, and there's a lot of expectation put on them to take care of other kids and to be the one who gives up the jacket yep. because you're not going to ask the seven-year-old or the six-year-old because they'll lose it. Yep. So we go to the older one and we say, you have to give it up because you're the oldest. And that sucks. It sucks. It's out of balance. It's I, out of balance. I've witnessed a few parenting occasions uh, with some friends or family in the last month, and I've just w- observed how much, and I probably do this too, oh, yeah. expect of our oldest siblings. Yeah. You know, every, our oldest children. Uh, I'm sorry, our oldest children. And uh, I even, my one friend, I actually called out. I'm like, listen, I, I kind of, you know, he's a good, dear friend. Mm-hmm. And I said, I 
you're being really hard on your oldest. My goodness, like you're being so gentle and kind to towards the youngest. The youngest. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways, it's maybe just you know holding up a mirror to our parenting philosophies. Well, and our expectations and why we think it should be that way. I mean, maybe we were the oldest and we were treated that way, so we say, well, that's just what happens, and we have to step back from that and say, is it, mm-hmm. or is that just a pattern that's been created? It doesn't mean that we can't depend on the oldest in different ways. You know, when they are older, like you know, we do ask our oldest to watch uh, her sisters sometimes. We ask her, like, you know, will you help me move this table? You know, she's the biggest. You know, she's the one. But but there is, I am also aware that it is not her job to be a little parent. And I think that's a lot of times what we do. Exactly. She's the closest thing we have to a little parent, so we're going to treat them as little parents when, in fact, they're 10 or they're 12 or they're 13 or whatever age they are. Well, and I think that what I'm trying to say is that I try to be thoughtful to not do that. Correct. Even though there are – and then – there, but there's this place in between – of the reality of their age and the reality of that we do need support sometimes and that as a family we all need to kick in. But can we recognize that sometimes when the older is frustrated and takes 10 minutes to get the life jacket off, can we give her that space? And that's what I did because I'm always – my expectations of her is the highest because she's the oldest, the most experienced. And I, I basically just, for whatever reason, maybe it's because I wasn't on vacation, I was in a good mood, I wasn't in a rush. I just kind of let her have this kind of... Time to process. Time to process. So, yeah. And just be annoyed about it. You know, and that's the thing too, is we 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 put, we make the oldest oftentimes a little parent, and then we expect them to be so emotionally mature mm-hmm. as if they're never going to get frustrated and stomp their feet too. Yes, And exactly. of course they are. I mean, that's, and they're going to in their teens and in their 20s and maybe even in their 30s occasionally. Yeah. Like it, just because they're the oldest doesn't mean that they're going to be the ones above emotion. And I think they presume this weight of responsibility yes. that can get very heavy Yes. After years or days or weeks or whatever. If it's unacknowledged. Because that's the thing is I've found, you know, my oldest does love to be with littles. You know, she does. She's really good with young kids. She's she yesterday. I just needed to go to the grocery store and she's like, I'll just go with you. I didn't even ask her to. She just kind of has that kind of feeling of if you need help and I'm not doing anything, I'm there. She's already kind of got that naturally. And I try to, instead of expect it, I try to appreciate it. And also it is. And when she doesn't show up that way, instead of being like, what's wrong with you? Being like today. Today you're actually acting your age. (laughs) Yes. Today she would like to not do this. And and like, you know, again, this just plays in in again to our own self-awareness because we, you know, we were in birth order somewhere too. And if we were the oldest, we may be putting what was put on us on our oldest. Or if we were the youngest or middle, we may expect our oldest to be like our older sibling. Again, you got to go back in time and recognize what your own expectations are and what your partner's expectations are of your children. And then on the flip side, then sometimes we don't expect anything of our younger. Yeah. And that can be a problem too, because you can create a situation where the youngest is so babied that there's an entitlement. Well, and I would not be honest if I didn't say that there's definitely times in my day week with my youngest that I treat her probably more of a baby than she deserves to be treated. Correct. Oh, you know, like just carrying her, stuff like that. Well, and it's my own baggage. She's the last one. Right. This is the last time I'm going to be able to have this um, stage in her life. So I might as well keep it around for as long as I can. And just that language, everybody, listen, I am going to only have this stage. I am going to, you know, keep her around. It's not for her highest good. Mm -hmm. It's because we- It's my own ego, my own- own baggage, not baggage, but it's my own needs. Your own needs. And so you're putting your own needs on your children. And again, some of it just leaks out and it just is what it is. And we don't need to be so self-critical. It's just being conscious of it. You know, like my youngest can carry her suitcase up the stairs too. Yeah. And she was, <laughs> it's funny because I, 
sometimes my middle and my older really appreciate when I hold my youngest to task too. Like they're sick of observing <laughs> her getting off easy. Well, and they sometimes perceive, you know, there's that balance of she really is a lot younger than you guys. Yeah. But they're also, it, it was funny because I said, you know, carry your suitcase up. And then she said, I'm just going to rest because I'm really tired, <laughs> you know, from our, and you know, yeah, traveling from- is difficult. We were, the reason she had her suitcase is we were coming home, as Todd said, from our vacation. And I said, I understand you're tired. And her sister were standing there. I said, they're tired. We're tired. You still need to unpack your suitcase. This is something I know you can do. But sweetie, she's going to rest. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I've been sleeping on the plane. Yeah. I just. Re- and the thing is, is she's not wrong for feeling that way. But my thing is, you are capable of this. Yeah. And instead of being like, okay, dear, you go rest and I will do it for you. It's you can finish this. And then, you know, the language we often use is first this, then that. So unpack your suitcase, then go for it, rest, take a nap, do what you need to do. What I say to them all the time now is it is my job to help you do the things that you're capable of doing. Correct. Can I can I get that glass of water for you? Yes, I can. Of course. But are you capable of doing it? Yes, you are. So you're going to go ahead and get your own glass of water. But the key is, the way that Todd's saying it right now is very matter of fact, it's said with compassion. It's not about, I'm going to test you and I'm going to push you and you better do it. It's, of course I can get that, but dude, you can you can go get that glass right. of water. There, the there energy you bring to it is uh, pretty huge. Huge, because if you are pushing them and if you're like testing them, they're going to know that and push back. Yeah. You know, it's all about, are you in it with them or are you pushing against them? You ready to hear about our first partner, sure, sweetheart? Sure. Uh, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, Dr. Kelly, she adjusts us, and we need it because we went tubing this weekend. Dude, I need it really bad. Um, so we're going to go see her. When are we going to go see her? Tomorrow. Manana. Yeah. So Dr. Kelly, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, it's chirotree.com, 630-941-8733. So you want to talk about control. Yeah. Before I... you do, sweetie. Oh, okay. <laughs> Control, control, you must run control. There you go. It's so funny. I I knew you'd play that, A. and You don't know nothing. I knew it. Um, and B, he's forcing him to learn control. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a funny, like... I know. What's the word? Juxtaposition? What's that? What does that uh, word mean? I always want to use it correctly. Juxtaposition? Yeah. It means that you're just in a position. <laughs> not I you know there's some words that I love and I'm just not sure how to use them correctly um and when I Join learn club. when I learn how to use them I get so excited but that word I think it means yeah look it up for me because I'd like the to fact of two things being seen or placed close together with contrasting effects so that's what it is that's it yes juxtaposition it's where it's like he's saying control control you must learn control he's forcing him mm-hmm. to learn control when really he's trying to make him fluid and flowy yeah. and be one with the force. That's right. And But, you know, Yoda was an impatient teacher sometimes, don't you think? He got frustrated. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't like anybody dogging Yoda, so there I'm going to... There is no dogging. I love so, it. sounds a little dogging, sweetie. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not about to subscribe. I don't want to document it that I said anything bad about Yoda. Yoda you go ahead. What about Yoda being like, you will be... You will will be. That's where Luke says, I'm not afraid. You will be. That was a little deeper than Yoda. (laughs) That was someone. You will be. There it is. There you go. (laughs) Well, he's just, every teacher, I was just about to say, Yoda's human. (laughs) <laughs> not. <laughs> not even close. But what I normally, typically, when you're not working with Yoda, people are people. And so they're going to, even if they're fantastic teachers, they're going to be impatient. And that's okay. Yeah. you know. But Yoda is, what is Yoda? He's a Jedi, but what is he? I don't know. He's a green dude. He's a creature. He is a creature. He's a wonderful creature teacher. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> okay. Giving up control. Um, I was just listening to something. So there's all these things that have been coming to me about giving up control. And I w- we were watching – I don't even know where to start with this. Okay, this is where I'll start. I was just listening to a Robcast. 
And for those of you who don't know who Rob Bell is, you have to listen to his podcast because it's so good and it's so deep. And if you're feeling like lots of things in the world are really superficial, just listen to a Robcast and you will go into a new place in time. He's the bomb. He is so good at taking things to such a deeper level. I literally will listen. And and sometimes I can't listen because I'm not in that deep place. Yeah. I have to listen to 30 Rock or yeah. something really surfacey because right. I just can't go there. Um, and But... I was just listening and he's been doing this thing with his buddy Pete Rollins where they've been talking about God and they did God part one, God part two, God part three. So three different podcasts where it was so deep and um, I've just been enjoying it so immensely. And I was just listening to how they were talking about that some things are just absurd. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that just struck me as so true because I think in life we're always trying to structure things and make everything make sense and fit into a perfect plan. And sometimes things are just absurd and they don't make sense. And that is difficult for us as human beings because we want to have control. We want to make sense out of things that are nonsensical. Exactly. And why do we do that? Because we want to be safe. Yeah. Sometimes when someone is hurt or someone gets sick or something happens, we look at them and we say, how am I different from that person? So that will never happen to me. How is the gang violence in Chicago so different from my life that that means that they are at risk, but I am not? Mm -hmm. And how do I separate, oh, that person who had a miscarriage, okay, well, they did they these things, and I don't do that, so I am different from them. I can protect myself. This person who has a different religion than me, but I have this religion, I'm safer because I believe this. We try to protect ourselves with ideology, mm -hmm. and we try to protect ourselves by saying that I am safe because of this these things I control and think. And the truth is, when people get brought down to their knees with trauma, which I think Todd and I both have in our lives, and many of you listening have at different times, and sometimes it's a course of little traumas. Most human beings have. Right. Most human beings have. And and sometimes it's a succession of many little ones. Yeah. Like sometimes people say, well, nothing really that big has happened to me, but have you been hurt? Mm -hmm. Have you had this, you know, have you had loss? Have you? And sometimes it's just chipping away. Yeah. Sometimes it's the one big, sometimes it's three big, sometimes it's 10 small. Yeah. doesn't matter. When you've been brought to your knees, what you start to realize is it's all absurd. And there is oftentimes no rhyme and reason. And at first that feels terrifying. I think when I was uh, going through my most, and I've gone through a lot of things as we all have, but probably my most brought to my knees time of my life was that recognition. And as Todd will attest, I was a little off <laughs> the map a Is little this bit. this the mid-30s one? This, this was a few, this was when I was 40. This was the, probably the tough one. I Mid-30s, definitely. But this is when I had that pretty significant depression when we were on... Um, 612 South Fern? Yes. Yeah, I think I, I, it was somewhere in between mid-30s and early 40s. I well, I had some mid-30s too, because that's when I had a few miscarriages. Like but I there, remember 612 South Fern. Yeah, yes, it was pretty significant where I was weird. Like yes. I was losing my ground. You had a lot of weird thoughts. I did. I was just like, and that what that was was me beginning to lose. Do you want to share what any of those thoughts were? Ideology, not really. Okay. I think that the, my process was my own, but okay. I think I started to lose my sense of self. And while many of you may say, "Oh my gosh, that's not good," it was actually exactly what had to happen. Yeah. I had to die. The the there were parts of me that had to die, mm -hmm. so I could be born again. Yeah. That's what, you know, for the, and I'm going to use uh, language that sounds religious, but that's what resurrection is. Yeah. It's not always about literal death. It's not always about the physical death. It's about pieces of you that die. So then you can grow up again in a healthier way. Yeah. And that was a really scary time. And it's very unsettling and ungrounding. And I started to kind of see things as they were. And I had to surrender to that. But here's the beauty, you guys, with all that scary stuff I just threw at you. And then you're like, okay, this I can do. The what? life of absurdity right. and the life of fluidity and being present and like – just seeing a butterfly and being like, 
tearing up about it. This I can do. So it sounds like what you're saying is once you make friends with the idea that things are absurd, yeah. the dust will settle and you're yes. like, okay, you're making sense because it's not supposed to make sense. Exactly. There is no protection from so the scary part is there's there's no ideology there's no like smoothie drink that I can drink to make myself immune from the issues in the world at the same and time and the sooner that you do that the closer you are towards healing right exactly and at the same time the more you realize it's not out there it's ah oh, this gets so like um I want this to make sense I don't want to be really difficult in explaining this. Once you let go of those things, you realize it's right here that you've been in the joy the whole time. I, 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 you know, I had an experience this weekend where I, I know I've shared this before with you guys, but I get headaches and uh, the thing that I will say about headaches is I used to try and be like, what's the lesson? You know, what, why do I get headaches? Like there's a big reason. Yeah. Okay. Like there's something I'm doing wrong and there's a big reason. And, and what I've realized is that they just happen and there might be a lot of reasons, meaning I, you know, there may be things that are going on in the environment or in me that are, that are causing them and that's fine. But instead of in the moment being like, what did I do wrong to get this? What I've realized is when I have a headache, I am so dealing with pain of of physical pain that I am so present for what's happening in front of me that I have zero fear. Okay. Mm. Do you do you recognize on the plane yesterday? I didn't think a thing about flying. I wasn't worried about getting home. I wasn't and again, you're not gonna be in my head, so you're not gonna really Plus notice. I was fifteen rows behind. Yeah, you. Todd Todd took a hit and sat in the middle seat in the back. <laughs> He the gave middle, me better the back. I'm realizing the back sucks because when you're on a long trip, people go to the bathroom a lot. Yeah, and there's a line that starts at the bathroom, dude. And I you're know. right. Everybody's butt, butt is, is in right your in your face, and I'm kind of understanding that now. Try being, and again, I'm always, you know, this sounds like one-upmanship, but you're in the middle when you're on the aisle. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's, oh it's the poor aisle people. See, you're an aisle person. I am such an aisle person, oh. and so I was in 29D on my way out to Seattle. Yeah, bad. Oh my god, that's just butt seat. Yeah, I mean, everyone's butt is in your face, right. and everyone's turning around and putting their hands on your yeah. seat or like getting up from your yeah. seat. It's really funny. Um, this is what I think that you're trying to say, and this is Todd. Turner. Versus, I think what you're saying is stop trying to figure things out. Yes. Stop trying to make kind of like how you started. Things are absurd. Things are absurd. And the, so, the sooner that you stop trying to, because I'm, I'm kind of gaining an understanding of what you're trying to say. When things are painful or things don't make sense to feel safe, we need to make sense out of them. We make ideology. And what that does is that creates more pain we on top cre- of the pain. Absolutely. We make absolutes. Right. And once we have absolutes, that can cause breakage. Yeah. Because when anything gets too hard and fast, Mm -hmm. like this is the way it is, this is why, this is the only reason, all of a sudden we start to get afraid. If this doesn't happen, then these bad things are going to happen. Or if I expose myself to these people, or if I am open-minded to someone else's thought process, then everything I have created in my head is going to fall apart. Right. We do these things to gain control and safety. Yeah. And and when you drop all of those things and realize that you're don't have control. You don't have control. It's it's Scary. a little intimidating. Yeah. And it still is intimidating. I mean, I don't at a, on an everyday basis still feel the way I did in my initial surrender. Like I have to what I know though is that that place exists now. Yeah. That's what we learn whenever we go through like deep work or or therapy or trauma is we can't always stay in that place of remembering, Mm -hmm. but we know it exists. And so whenever we get too far from it, we go, now, wait a second. I remember. Well, and I think what you're trying to describe is the human spirit. Absolutely. And this is what I'm going to say. Okay. Um, When we are brought to our knees and whatever trauma bestows upon us, I think one thing that we could do, and this is more practical, but we can look at examples of people who have persevered when their world looks to be completely hopeless. Mm -hmm. My example is, we watched Super Soul Sunday, the the short afterwards. Yes, I was going to bring Jenny up. Was Maddie Stepanek's mom. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that she lost all of her children to this. Yeah. neurological disease thing Uh and that she's actually suffering from it. So I don't know how many kids she lost. Four. Four children. Mm -hmm. She's probably going to 
leave us she earlier yeah. than she should. Yet she's happy. She's doing good things for the world. So if, and this isn't to shame anybody or to shame myself, but if I have a hard time dealing with these smaller things, it's a complete waste of my energy. If I could see that this woman lost four of her children and is suffering physically and she could do it, I can too. Well, and what I wrote down that her son, Maddie Stepanek said to her, and he's the, it's so interesting because he was on, Oprah just kind of revisited her relationship with him and we had just talked about him two weeks ago. Um, but he said to his mom before he passed away, mom, do not die when I die. And he didn't mean physical death. He meant when you wake up every day, choose to breathe. Choose to inhale. Choose to inhale. Choose to be here. Don't just exist. Mm -hmm. Choose to inhale. And I think that that, I mean, obviously that made an impact on her and, and helped her maintain a sense of life while her children were no longer here. I think sometimes we leave with people spiritually. Yeah. When people we love are no longer with us on this physical plane, we're just like, well, why do I bother being here? My physical body's here, but my spirit is gone. And what he did is he gave her permission to stay here yeah. and to do good things. And and that's kind of what I was thinking about is – and again, Todd, it's interesting because she is someone who is in pain yeah. most days, yeah. if not all days. And again, I think that's ironically why she has less fear <laughs> because what what else is going to happen here? Do you know what I mean? Like right. why not just – sometimes the place that we're most fearful, and this is – we know this research-wise from Brene Brown and many others, is when we are actually happy and joyful and pain-free right. because we are so afraid of losing it that we become these fearful, these people who do try and hold on to, if I keep doing this, nothing will happen. If I keep thinking this way, nothing – and sometimes spiritual awareness – can be a detriment to us because we start thinking, I have to read this book every day. I have to, you know, meditate 10 minutes every day. I have to do it this way or else I'm going to lose things. And really what you've bought into is, again, control. Yeah. I have to control these things versus flowing with your life. That doesn't mean that doing meditation every day is a bad thing. I'm just saying if you missed it one day, it doesn't mean that everything's going to fall apart. Right. We have to be a little more fluid and and learning to flow with life and recognizing that we really aren't controlling everything that happens. Um, Were you going to put something? Two quotes mm -hmm. about the human spirit. Yeah. One is not necessarily politically correct, or it says, man never made any material as resilient as the human spirit. Let's say man, man and, and woman. woman never made any material as resilient as the human spirit. And the other one is the human spirit is stronger than anything that can happen to it. And I totally believe that. Of course. There are, when people, I mean, come on, you guys, the the things that humans have been through, what the Syrian refugees, like I was thinking about, you know, for those of you who are watching the Olympics, you know, the refugees got a standing ovation when they walked out, okay? Mm -hmm. And, you know, here they are competing in the Olympics and everyone's standing up and clapping for them. And- you know, acknowledging them. And I want to be like, okay, so can we help them now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, we're so like, we're so strange in that yeah, way. We'll clap for them, but hey, don't come don't into come, my country. Don't come. And, and again, I know that there's fear around. I, it's not that I don't see or, or acknowledge or even sometimes personally experience the, the fear that can be connected to that. But do we see people? Are we seeing that they are good, that they are us? They are just like us. They are doing their best. They are, um, you know, trying to survive. And, you know, I think that we can, you know, look at this on the big way and then on the small way, on the more micro level in our own homes, this whole idea of doing this with our children. Um, and again, this is when I wanted to bring in, you know, you were saying Shivali was on Super Soul Sunday yesterday. And I want to say, that I think it was her best interview yet with Oprah, which is saying a lot because she's been on with her four or five times. And the reason I thought it just landed, so what, Shivali's always good. So it's not like she's getting better. It's just the message is resonating more. Oprah gets it. Mm -hmm. So they're like having this, instead of Shivali just having to teach her, yeah. they're, they're on the same plane yeah, they're now. Connecting. They're connecting. They're connecting. 
she gets it and she's experiencing it and she understands it. And the conversation they were having yesterday um, was about that whole idea of planning for our kids' lives and making in our mind, again, it's an ideology of this is how my children are going to learn. This is what they're going to do. It's going to keep them safe. It's going to keep me safe. It's going to keep us safe. And if they don't do it this way, I'm going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. And the ability to recognize and stop what we're doing and recognizing that if your kid I was just having a conversation with my oldest about she's choosing between two sports and right now for fall and I could I really could care less what she does but I found myself starting to say well when this one you did so well last year so why wouldn't you want to do this because I don't know it just doesn't make me happy when I do it or she didn't say that she said when I'm at practice I just don't feel like I'm supposed to be there Mm -hmm. and I'm like and at first, I want to like fight up against it and be like, "But you're so good." And yeah. then I was like, "Then don't, mm-hmm. don't like." We have to con- always be aware of why we're pushing things with our kids and what we're doing and why we're making the choices we are. And usually, those reasons are so buried beneath all of our trauma, our issues, societal expectations, our history that it's some work to get down there for sure, and to figure out what this is and. And, and again, on a, a really micro level, again, I was reading some things on uh, Facebook the other day and I made some notes because a lot of people were writing things like about teaching their kids things and they were like, I'm making sure my kids know this. I'm making sure my kids know this. I'm making sure my kids know that, you know, being outside is important. I'm making sure they know that sports are important. You, you don't, that's how you feel. What you can do is role model mm-hmm. and enjoy the things you enjoy in the presence of your children and allow them to either engage with you or not. Or not. And that what we think we're doing is teaching our kids, but really what we're doing is we're taking all of our stuff, like a big hefty bag of stuff, and throwing it on top of them and saying, I'm teaching you this, appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And really, we're not even giving them a chance to absorb it. Yep. And so, again, one of the things um, Oprah said yesterday, and again, it just drives this point home, and we could say this in a million different ways, but she was talking about one of the girls that she wanted to have go to her school in Africa, and that she was really forcing this girl to go to the school. And this was Oprah's quote. She said, I was thinking to myself, why wouldn't anyone want to go to the school? And everyone would want to go to the school. I have to make this girl go to the school. And the acknowledgement is Oprah wanted to go to a school yes. when she was little. Yeah. She believes everyone should do this, but this girl didn't want that. Yeah. And is that okay? Right. And you can take that example a million different ways with your own kids. It's basically, you know, what is the baggage that you're carrying that you're throwing onto your kids? Exactly. We really have to live and relate and parent in a really humble way. We have to have a lot of humility about that there are many different ways and that our job is not to take our big, why do I see a hefty bag? I see, I see things when I say things like this big bag of stuff. It's not about throwing it on people. It's about seeing our bag, opening up our bag, seeing what's in it, and then recognizing what's in our kids because they already got it. They have everything they need. Yeah, and our job is to let them experience that for as long as they possibly can. And help them grow it. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do they grow it? Yes, we want them in school so they know how to write about it. Mm-hmm. We want them to learn about math so they know how to figure out their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's not about that then they get to decide that they're just going to you know, go take care of goats all day. I wouldn't mind doing that, though. Yeah, not me. But I think that they can... We can help them and support them and give them structures, but then back up, man. Back up. I was about to do the sound effect, sweetie, but I'm not going to. The one that hurts my ear? Yes. I know. Um, It's funny. You gave the same metaphor as, you know, I'm uh, staffing that men's retreat in October if there's any men out there that are interested. But that's what the weekend is all about is taking that bag full of stuff. No way. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm visualizing it in my head. Yeah. And on the weekend, what we do is we empty it out. Empty it. Yes. And we sift through it. Yeah. 
this serves me, this doesn't, this is the opposite of what I believe. And then you decide what to put back in your bag. Yeah. So anyways, anybody interested in a men's retreat, I'm staffing in the end of October. Um, It's pretty amazing. So shoot me an email. So can I just say a few last things about this? Okay. So a few things when, before like going backtracking to when I was talking about having to learn things from our experiences, some things simply are just absurd. And instead of trying to make this connection and mathematical equation to understand why it happened, we can in hindsight pull from it. I would never say to somebody who has lost a child or has lost a parent, well, everything happens for a reason. I would never say that. What they may experience later, though, is a deeper awareness, a deeper understanding, a a more compassion. There may be things that come out of it, but I would never say to them, well, that's why that negative thing happened. How could we ever look at something like the Holocaust Mm -hmm. or the experience all these refugees are going through and say, well, that's for their highest good? I would never... Even, you know, it's just such a harsh thing to wrap it up in a box. Mm -hmm. But can we after learn from it? Of course. So that's that's the thing I was trying to say about I was using a much more simple term of having a headache. Instead of like a blame game of this is why and it's can I have an experience with it after what I've learned over the many years of having headaches is when... I have them, I have no fear, and I am simply present because my energy is taken up with the pain. When I then don't have pain, can I acknowledge that all the things I'm thinking that are fear-based aren't real? That's the lesson for me. Because when I'm in pain, they're not there. Fear, false evidence. Appearing real. There you go. Exactly. So that's that's a lesson that I pull out of it, but I don't say, I'm trying not to be so like, so that's why I need them. Right. It's just a, it's an offshoot of, it's in a learning experience. And then can we have a patience with not knowing everything? You know, again, going back to our turtles that may, maybe some of you have bought, my little turtle that I keep in my pocket. Can you be patient with that you just don't know? Yeah. And that you're not going to know what happens? Surrender to the unknown. And that when you let go of that... It's like taking off blinders and you see where you are. Like right now, which is all that exists, you are fine and things are good. And when you're like, but this could happen and this could happen, all true, but not right now. Well, and then even when things aren't good, there's times when we have emotional or physical pain. The next step is, can you... Embrace that. Exactly. And that's not an easy thing to do. And I'm not, I don't want to minimize that. And I don't think right now is the best time for me to try to explain it because I don't think I could. But But, there are some teachers out there that are pretty good at, Jeff Foster talks about that all the time, is embrace that pain. Yes. Yes. And and I, I actually am so glad you said that because that's, again, the thing with our kids is this was discussed on Shefali Super Soul yesterday too. Um, We try to keep our kids from feeling pain. We try and... And why do we do that? Because it makes us feel pain. Because it makes us uncomfortable. It's all about us. We're so, yeah, we're very self-minded. Well, say, I just don't want my child to hurt that way. Yes. No. I don't want to feel hurt because when I see my kids crying because she skinned her knee, it hurts my heart. Exactly. So if I can prevent that from happening, I'm going to do everything I can. One, for them, but secondly, for me too. On two levels. Number one, because that's my child and I love them and it hurts. And number two, because when I was a kid, that hurt me. And I haven't dealt with how much pain I felt. So I cannot look at that child because then I have to acknowledge how much pain I had. And that, so we have to like, you know, parse that out. Um, So with our kids, what, what did you just say that I was... You just said something really profound, and I was trying to go off of it. Sweetie, where do I start? <laughs> um, it was Jeff Foster, Embrace the Pain. Oh, yes, thank you. Is that that is really our work with our children and ourselves. Is It's not about finding happy everywhere. No. It's about when things are painful and challenging, we walk right through it with them. We don't, you know, sometimes if it's, you know, we don't walk through pain just for the hell of it. If we don't need the pain, don't walk through it. But if it's something real, if it's something that's happening, you have to hold hands and go through it together. 
You don't pretend it's not happening or skip over it. Well, and it's like when you when I wake up every morning, I have an idea what the day is going to be like. Right. And when I'm in a good place, I know that the day is not going to go exactly the way I have planned Correct. out. When I'm in a bad place or a medium place, I get pissed right. that something difficult happens. That's right. If we can wake up every morning and try to err on the side of, this is my plan, but I don't know what's going to happen. So when things do go bad, when you your kid fails a test or when you have a bad day at work or when you have a fight with your spouse, instead of putting another layer of pain on top of the pain you're experiencing right now is just know that that's part of our human condition and to invite it in. And instead of saying it shouldn't be that way because I'm doing a cleanse mm -hmm. and doing a cleanse makes me pure. Yeah. It's fine. I'm not saying the cleanse is bad. I'm saying don't connect everything to the cleanse. Right. And the cleanse is a metaphor for everything else. Just because you're doing these good things doesn't mean that these challenging things won't arise. There is no game of if I do all these good things, nothing bad will happen. Life is is things coming all at once. And when we accept that, it's not as painful. And see, that's that's a difficult thing to discuss too, right. which goes into probably a whole nother show that we would do. But when you accept, most of the pain comes from resisting pain because we think it shouldn't be that way. Like Todd said, he will wake up and think the day is supposed to be a certain way. And when it goes another direction, he's angry that it went another direction. So all of his energy is towards it shouldn't be that way. If he could flow with it, that resistance wouldn't cause, there would be no resistance to cause pain. Okay. So that's the fluidity I was talking about, the flowing with life. And the last thing- My mom always said, Life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Sorry I interrupted you. You know sweetie. what? That was perfect. Oh, good. Because that's exactly... For those of you who have quoted that and not understood what Forrest is saying... That's what it means. Think about Forrest Gump. It, Forrest Gump is my second favorite movie. Mm -hmm. What is his life? Why? What is the symbolism? What is the symbol that they show throughout that movie? Do, do you know? Do you remember? Uh, the symbolism? What is the symbol that they show? Oh, the feather. The feather. Yeah. You flow through life. Mm -hmm. Forrest didn't, wasn't born and he didn't say, I'm going to meet the presidents and I'm going to, you know, be on a shrimp and boat and I'm going to go into the military. He flowed with life. Mm -hmm. And some would say, well, he's stupid. He should have had a plan. He should have. He just allowed. And he had a lot of love and he had a lot of success. And he wasn't all connected to the way it had to be. You know? I do. I'm looking at these awesome gump coats and I want to play them. But... <laughs> play it. Go ahead. Play another one. Okay. Have you found Jesus yet? No. I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, so. And then let's do one more. My name's Forrest Gump. People call me Forrest Gump. He's simple. And... And there's nothing more beautiful. Mm -hmm. And see, our society would call him stupid, right? Yeah. And actually, he's completely connected to life. And I think that is, you know, what is the, the scripture? The meek shall inherit the earth. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, like the people who are closest to the earth who like have that simplicity, that understanding, they get it. And... One more thought I wanted to say, because this is what I was thinking about with people who are really in their head, who are like, we're saying all these really deep things, and they're like, what are you talking about? You don't have to figure all this out in your head. One of the biggest gifts I got from Michael Singer's book, The Untethered Soul, was when you start to try and figure out all these spiritual things, stop it mm -hmm. and let it go. Stop it. When you're trying to figure out how to keep things from happening, stop it. Let it, go. let it go. That's right. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. It's the truth. Can't hold it back anymore. Because a lot of times what we're doing in our head is we're just, as Brene Brown would say, rehearsing tragedy. Mm -hmm. How do I keep myself from having this tragedy? We're rehearsing how we are going to manage all of our challenges. And if you just live, then you have so much less to deal with. It's it's the craziest paradox ever, and I don't even know if I did a good job giving words to it. But. I think you did an outstanding job, sweetheart. Well, I, I appreciate your support. Um, our second partner is John J. Kelly Dentistry. His website is chicagodentistonline.com. 
Uh, if you have any kids and uh, you want him to be a smile engineer, that's what I call him, sweetie. I, did you make that up or did he tell you that? I don't remember. Okay. Oh, no, he's a smile designer. But he's also into airways and things like that and just keeping your kids healthy and happy. So uh, he's your guy. Um, 773-631-6844. So we ran out of time to do the question. So I'm Are you really, sure? I'm positive. Are you sure, sure? You have an appointment. And you probably need oh, to do some true. things. It, how, what time is it? Well, we got a little oh, bit yeah. of time. You're but. right. No, you're right. So I'm sorry. Uh, I think it's Carrie. Remember, she doesn't like it when we Sorry, stop. Carrie. Um, but I, there is one shout out I want to do. We have a listener. And he's uh, it's a couple. And they love our show. Okay. And his name is Chris. Okay. And they're celebrating. Uh, he's celebrating his fifth anniversary with his wife, Rhiannon. Nice. So I want to play a little song that I found on YouTube. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Fred, you remembered. How could I ever forget the happiest day of my life? Oh, happy anniversary. Is this a Flintstones? It's a Flintstones. <laughs> How about Fred's voice? It totally brings me back to being a kid. Isn't, isn't the Flintstones based on the Honeymooners? It's like the Honeymooners all over again. I have no idea if they admitted to it, but that's all it is. It's total honeymooners. I know. So, so happy anniversary. They Thank have three kids. I don't know if I should say their names on, on here. Nah. Okay. Well, Unless they we'll, give you permission. No. So happy anniversary to Rhiannon. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's a beautiful name. R-H-I-A-N-N-O-N and Chris. So happy anniversary to you two crazy kids. It's like the Fleetwood Mac song. Which one? No, that's Rihanna. Um, Rihanna. Okay, so I'm mixing up the the pop. How's star. your lady brain doing? <laughs> My lady brain is so filled with not being in control. Yeah, um, that I am forgetting. There's there's the pop star, and then there's the Fleetwood Mac song, and they they're a little bit different. And I don't know much to either one, sweetheart. Well, yeah, play. Uh, look up Fleetwood Mac. Okay, Rhiannon. You'll know it when it starts. You will. You will. You are. The song. All their songs sound the same. Well, they're a band. They have a sound. So does Smashing Pumpkins. And Led all Zeppelin doesn't. Pink Floyd. No, it doesn't. Pumpkins. Pink Floyd. Wait. Did you just say Pink Floyd doesn't have a sound? They have a sound, but their songs sound very dissimilar to one another. Like, I love U2, um, but you can always tell when it's a U2 song, okay? Yes, because of the Because of the Edge's guitar. guitar. Yeah. Smashing Pumpkins, Billy's voice is just... Totally. Right. But Led Zeppelin is one of those bands that there's no... I mean, obviously, Robert Plant has a a, a sound to him. Mm-hmm. But from a... The songs are so dissimilar from each other. Correct. For Led Zeppelin. Yeah. That I, that is, it's like that for no other band that I know, yeah. in my opinion. I'm not a music expert. That's just always been my opinion. Like I think Led Zeppelin is a pretty safe band to say is pretty darn good. I know, but yeah, but U2 is an amazing band, but the songs, they kind of blend together in well, a and here's Well, and here's my deep question since we're going deep. Is it a bad thing to have a sound? Like there's this no. assumption that we're making that because someone has a sound, they're not as good of a band. And that's uh, not true, right? Um, that is absolutely not true. But I will say I do have, I hold Led Zeppelin into an extremely high regard. They're not my favorite band, but they're top four or five. Yeah, I think they're most people's, people who love rock and roll, Led Zeppelin is in the top. This is live, sweetie. This is my favorite one. There you go. This is my favorite Led Zeppelin song. Baby, more than enough. Oh, darling, 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 walk a while with me. much sweetie well you don't want to play it too long you don't i, I noticed last week you played one of the songs for like Big a whoop. minute who cares um so th- how did we do with that anniversary shout out because we ended we up did talking about Led Zeppelin. um 
Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Let's do it together. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Quick FamZoo shout out to my buddy Bill Dwight who does FamZoo. This is a total like Todd idea. Okay. Most kids have no idea how much groceries cost. Correct. All right. They also have no idea how much food and therefore how much money is wasted each week. Mm -hmm. Okay. So to help your kids appreciate everyday expenses, reduce unnecessary waste and save money, try conducting the simple family food audit exercise together. Take your grocery uh, receipt that you have, put it on the fridge. And every time you finish an item that you bought, you cross it off. Okay. Okay. So at the end of the week or whatever, you'll see how much you consumed and how much you left to waste. Mm, Like I just threw out a half a dozen eggs or we're about to because they're old. So it gives a little bit of, um, I don't know, it's a good teachable exercise, I guess. We just threw away like five bags of like chips and crackers yesterday, JC and I did, because we were trying to clean out and they were like half full you know, like three bags of tortilla chips. So you have your list. So when you finish something, you cross it off. It's easier to do it that way than it is to do the opposite. So okay. you just add them up at the end of the week. It's just a fun little exercise. Oh, and then we have some iTunes reviews. Um, Wester Becker gave us a wonderful five-star review. Stumbled on this podcast about six months ago. It's a regular part of our week, and she wants to thank us for being wonderful teachers. Yeah, thank uh, you. We teach about parenting, but also about relationships. I have learned about relationships with my spouse, family, work, and world. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Thank you, Wester Becker. And then Anna Ray said she discovered us two or three months ago, and she's been listening to all the old episodes on days that you do not have a new one, which are six out of the seven days. Yeah, so that's a lot of days. She's listening to a lot of Zen parenting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's noticed great change in the way she parents uh, her relationship with her kids and her husband. Keep on keeping on. Great. So thank you to Anna Ray. And then our last partner is uh, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald head of beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. We have a few events coming up. I mentioned my men's retreat coming up at the end of October. September 26th, what happens, sweetheart? Uh, we have the Screenagers documentary at York Theater. Uh, posters are starting to go up around town. But for those of you who live around Chicago, obviously you can come. Just go to zenparentingradio.com um, and then click on events and get your tickets. It's September 26th, Monday. And uh, February 24th, oh, two weeks from today, we're going to make our big announcement. Yeah. Two weeks from today, we're going to start, uh, we're going to open up ticket sales for the conference and tell you about our teachers and start the process of getting that going. So um, if you are someone who has a business or you know someone who has a business who wants to jump in as a sponsor right away, um, do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, email Todd at comments at uh, zenparentingradio.com. Um, because if you're, if you're going to do it, jump in now, because this is when we announce it, that's when everyone's going to go to the website. So if you want to get a little more exposure, I would say get in now rather than wait till last minute. Um, cause it's going to be cheaper now. Yeah. So you're actually getting more exposure for less money. There you go. Cause a lot of people wait, 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 wait. And then a lot of people, a few of our sponsors last year jumped in like a month before right. they missed all that opportunity to be, you know, for us to recognize them. So Anyway, that is fe- uh, February 24th, 25th. Yep. Um, and we are so excited about that. So, And if you want to go to ScreenAgers, go to ZenParentingRadio.com and click on the events tab at the top of the page. Um, quick words of wisdom. I would love to hear your thoughts about, I've, I learned this uh, quote. It's an Ernest Hemingway quote. Okay. And I would love to hear your thoughts. This is from my uh, men's workshop last weekend. The world breaks everyone, and afterward, many are strong in the broken places. Correct. But those that do not break, it kills. It kills the very good and the very gentle and the very brave impartially. If you are none of these, you can be sure it will kill you too, but there will be no special hurry. What do you think of that? Hmm. The first part I totally jived with and the world I th- breaks everyone and afterward many are strong in the broken places and that to me is really what we talked about on the show today was we're all going to have trauma we're all going to be brought to our knees and if we can accept life and surrender to it we become more powerful and more lit up in those places and when i say powerful i don't mean power over others right i mean we become more strong in ourselves And I guess what I was getting from that was the people who are unwilling to be broken open and let go of their ideology and the people who say, no, it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this way. They they're going to have they're having a hard time being strong in those broken places. Yes, because they're still going to be pushing against the negativity. Is that what it means? 
I, I think that's kind of what I got out of yeah. it. I was, it's a good, I love quotes from literature, especially from what I, I'm very soothed by the fact that people hundreds and thousands of years ago struggled with the same things we do. I know. The whole idea is to evolve, right? Mm-hmm. So anyways, I was going to play a Led Zeppelin song, but I can't find that. You know what? Play Zen Parenting because I think we're starting to lose that song and people are going to forget. There it is. So thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, have a good week, and we'll catch you guys next Tuesday. Okay. Adios. Thanks for listening, folks. Hope you felt outstanding. So there's some different ways you can support us. Um, One of them is by asking either Kathy or myself or maybe both of us to speak at your next event. Or you can also tell a friend about our podcast. If you ship Amazon, go through the link on zenparentingradio.com first. It doesn't cost you anything but Zen Parenting will get a small commission. You can also buy any of Kathy's three amazing books through Amazon or our homepage. And if you're like me and you want to teach your children personal financial management, then use FAMZU. It's an amazing resource. It's a virtual family bank that will set your children on a path towards financial freedom. Click on the link on the lower right-hand side of our homepage to learn more. And if you're a Chicago guy and want to learn more about the tribe, the men's group that I lead, go to thetribemensgroup.com. Do you want to grow your business by partnering with us? Shoot me an email. And you can also give us an iTunes review. Lastly, you can subscribe to our podcast through our homepage or iTunes directly. This will guarantee you're up to speed on the latest and greatest of Zen Parenting Radio. You can always send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and I'll be happy to get back to you as soon as I can. Finally, we're thankful for all your support and encouragement and always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Keep trucking.